Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. For God to accomplish His purpose requires the coordination and involvement of all three of the Godhead. But surprisingly, it also requires the involvement of Christ's partners. Who are His partners? We'll find out today on the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. And Francis Ball is in the studio once again today to add his portion to our fellowship concerning the book of Hebrews. And an interesting portion today, Francis, this is a marvelous word, and I'm particularly happy that you're here with us today for this one. Well, I'm very happy to be here, Chris. Thank you. Francis, it's been wonderful to see both from Romans and now from Hebrews that we are Christ's brothers. This is quite a realization to our Christian life. But today we find out that we are also his partners. Let me ask you this question before we begin. Why does the eternal and all-powerful God need partners? Well, Chris, uh, though God is eternal and all-powerful, we must see also that he is very purposeful, and he's chosen to accomplish his purpose by his infinite wisdom. God's intention was really with man even in eternity past. If you remember back in uh, Genesis, it talks about God having a counsel saying, let us make man in our image after our likeness. When he first created man, his intention was to get into man, to be life to man, and therefore he needs man. He needs these partners to carry out what he's doing. God wants to express his deity in humanity. The Lord Jesus came as both a divine and human person. He has a divine nature and a human nature. This is because God has a purpose to accomplish. And in accomplishing this purpose, it's not just the one Jesus Christ as an individual on the earth that he wants to work through, but he wants to work through millions of partners to carry out his eternal purpose. And therefore, even though man fell and became degraded, The God-man, Jesus Christ, bore the sins away, solved the problem of sin and failure and the fall, and now, as the life-giving Spirit in His resurrection, He, as the God-man, comes into humans who receive Him to make them like He is. This makes them partners together with Christ to carry out God's eternal purpose. I hope that this kind of view might really penetrate into us because we need to see that we're not just the enjoyers of Christ, but we are carrying out something for God's eternal purpose. He needs partners who are both human and divine, if I could put it that way, so that he can express himself in a divine human way. 
Francis, this is a real radical change, I think, to our natural concept. First to see that we are his brothers and now even to see that we are his partners in the carrying out of his purpose. Uh, As you indicated, this kind of word, this view, really needs to penetrate our thinking because this is the Bible's view. Let's get into today's life study. Here's Witness Lee. Let me tell you, if you do have a complete view, a view as a whole, you could see in the first two chapters of Hebrew unveiled to us that God is the source. Then eventually so many wonderful things come out of him. And so many wonderful things come out of him and form into the church. And the church is just the full expression of God himself. In this church, you have God. You have the Son of God. You have God's appointed heir. You have the captain of salvation. And in this church, you have the firstborn son of God. You have the son of man. You have man. You have so many brothers of the firstborn son of God. And in this church, you have all the partners. You have the joint heirs of the appointed heir, and all these heirs are the partners of that unique heir. My, we all need to see more. Our view has to be broadened. What is God's operation in this whole universe? That is to accomplish a glorious expression of himself. And this is God's big operation. To accomplish a big expression of himself in the whole universe in glory. And uh, the Son of God was appointed to do this job. Christ was appointed to reign this corporation. He was appointed. Firstly, he was appointed in eternity past. Then secondly, he was anointed in time. When time came, the appointed one was anointed. And that anointing was the real heavenly divine inauguration. God has inaugurated his appointed heir into office. By what way God inaugurated him into office? By anointing him. How to anoint? God just poured out of himself upon this heir. God the Spirit poured out himself as the anointing oil 
upon these appointed heir to be the operator of God's divine operation according to God's foresight God made a decision that this unique heir needs a group of joint heirs for this unique heir to enter into this good land of the glorious expression of the divine being. There is the need of a group of joint heirs. Wonderful. The more join heirs, the more glory. Francis, in the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, we hear a lot about God's expression. Today we heard that God's operation in the universe is to gain a glorious expression, and for this he needs joint heirs. Francis, isn't the creation itself an adequate expression of God? Well, there is a sense, Chris, in which God expresses himself in his creation. The psalmist said in Psalm 19, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And even in that same psalm, you see the existence of day and night. They have something to speak about the fact that there is God. His power and divine characteristics are clearly seen since the creation of the world. All creation does speak of God, but speak of God's eternal power and his divine characteristics, and these are perceived by the things that are made. According to Romans 1, this is so that everyone is without any excuse concerning God's existence. But it is also abundantly clear that God's creation of man was in such a way that man could express God in all his attributes. The creation cannot do that. But man was made and created in such a way that he could express God. But God wants a glorious expression. The Lord Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh, and he expressed all that God is. But God wants a glorious manifestation and expression of himself with millions like his firstborn son. So we are these partners to be joint heirs with him, to express God and to fulfill God's great plan in expressing him in such a glorious way. Thank you, Francis. That was not an easy question, but a very clear answer. Let's go back to Witness Lee for more of our life study today. Tell me, who takes the lead ahead of you? Jesus Christ, the captain, who gets into you when he comes into us for our enjoyment, for our nourishment, for our energizing. He is the Holy Spirit. We are his partakers. When we follow him, we are his partners. You are his partakers. Early in the morning, in all the trouble sometimes, you just enjoy him. You are his partakers. You partake of his riches. You partake of his nourishment. You partake of his this and his that. But after you have enjoyed him, he is taking the lead. Amen. 
as the captain, and you are following him. Amen. Who are you? What are you? You are his partners. Amen. Oh, he's going to march, and we are also going to march. Amen. We are marching with him. Amen. He is the captain, and we are the army. We are his partners. Partners mainly in two things. This word in Greek, which should be translated partners in two verses. One is chapter 1, verse 9. The other is chapter 3, verse 14. Let's read chapter 1, verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you Again, I would uh, say a word with you. Therefore, God, your God. Who's God? Huh? Your God, who's God? You see, the sin's God is not the sin God. You see, Christ God is not Christ God. Then how many God do you have? I can't figure out. I know you dare not to say there are two gods. But do you know, I don't like to uh, offend people, but sometimes, you know, the doctor has to tell the truth to the patient. (laughs) I do know some of you, even this morning, subconsciously, unconsciously, still hold the concept three gods. You wouldn't say it. Because you dare not to say this. Because according to biblical truths, there's only one God. You cannot say there are more than one God. But deep within, subconsciously, you hold on to three gods. At least you hold on to a God, one God with three heads. I am not joking, I am not mocking, I am speaking the truth, dear ones, forget about your traditional teaching. We don't have more than one God. We only have one God. We don't have one God with three heads. How to reconcile it, I don't know. I have no way. I do believe my God is one. Yet, he is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But this doesn't mean they are three different gods. No. How to reconcile? I don't know. Because my mentality is too little. Francis, once again, we're confronted with a view of God in his Trinity. And it brings us to the realization that God is mysteriously three, yet one. It's easy in certain portions of the scripture, if we're not careful, to end up with the, at least subconsciously, with the concept of three gods. But why must we be careful as Christians never to take this thought too far, Francis? This is very, very important. We should never, never take the thought of there being three gods. First of all, because the Bible says emphatically 
that there is but one God. The Bible also says that this one God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is beyond our ability to comprehend, but this is the divine revelation. God is triune for our experience and for our enjoyment. But the one thing we need to guard against is any thought that there is more than one God. There is one God, but this God is triune. God is one, and he has one goal, one purpose, and he has one economy, one way of working out his plan. In essence, God is one, but in his economy, the way he works things out, he is triune. The Father is the source, the Son is the course, and the Spirit is the application or the flow of this God into man. Francis, as you said, an age-old theological question, but I appreciate that you've limited us or restricted us or refocused us, as Witness Lee has done so many, many times, to our enjoyment, our experience, and our participation in all that God is to us in his wonderful, marvelous trinity. Yes, there are, there are two very important verses to realize that even though you have the term Father, Son, and Spirit, and you have the fact the Father, Son, and Spirit, but you don't have three gods, Isaiah 9, 6 says clearly that the Almighty God, that the Son, the baby born in Bethlehem, is the Almighty God, and that uh, the Son is the Father. Now, this is too mysterious for us to be able to explain, but we can receive it. And even in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord is the Spirit. That Lord there, of course, is Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it says, The last Adam became the life-giving Spirit. So, actually, these three are mysteriously and gloriously one. Francis, it's marvelous, and it's beyond our ability to describe, but we can enjoy it. Let's go back to Witness Lee. When we enjoy Him, He is the life-giving Spirit. When we follow Him, He is our captain. When we enjoy Him, we are His partakers. When we follow Him, we are His partners, working together with Him, cooperating. We are His partners in two things. Number one, in his anointing. He was appointed in eternity past. He was anointed in time. When he was anointed, that anointing also includes us. You have to refer back to Psalm 133. When the ointment was poured out upon the head of the high priest Aaron. And that ointment flows down from the head through the whole body to the skirt of the roof. That signifies what? That signifies all the members of the body of the high priest shared in the anointing. The anointing was simply the inauguration. We all have shared in his inauguration. He obtained the anointing. 
And we share with him in the anointing. Because we are his partners. So we all are anointed. We all have been put into office. We are also the partners of Christ sharing in his operation. I have the full assurance, brothers, this, this morning, I am appreciating. He is appreciating. To accomplish what? To accomplish the full expression of God. I am now cooperating with him. Amen. I'm sharing in his appreciation. How about you? Amen. In chapter 3, verse 14. It says, we are his partners. Just like what? Just like Caleb was a partner to Joshua in taking and possessing of the good land. To get Canaan. To take Canaan. To possess Canaan. Without Canaan, Canaan, without the land of Canaan, God's purpose could never be fulfilled. This is Christ's enterprise. Christ today is operating a big operation to take Canaan and possess it and build God's house there. In this matter, or in this enterprise, we are his partners. And for this office, we all have been inaugurated. We have been inaugurated in chapter 1, verse 9, and now we are in the office in chapter 3, verse 14. Francis, we are partners with Christ in two matters, in his anointing and secondly, in taking possession of the good land. These seem on the surface to be uh, rather abstract items, but relate them more to our specific experience, if you would. Well, it really is uh, quite marvelous that these two uh, aspects of our enjoyment of being one with Christ, if you take this word partaker and also partner, in Greek, these are the same words. So how they're translated depends on the context. We are partakers of Christ because we enjoy him, we receive him, we enjoy all his riches. He became the life-giving spirit to be available to us, and we can partake of him by calling on his name, by reading his word, by praying, by fellowshipping. We can partake of this for our enjoyment daily, constantly. But there's another application and that is that we are partners with him. That means that when he was anointed, you know, Christ was appointed in eternity past, and then he was anointed in time to carry out God's goal, God's purpose. As Christ, he is our captain, and we've been anointed with the same anointing that he was anointed with. He was anointed, and that ointment is typified by the anointing oil that was put on Aaron's head and flowed down his whole body to the skirts of his garment, it says in Psalm 133. 
And that means that we are his partners in his anointing. He was anointed to do something, to carry out something. And we have been also the recipients of this anointing. This carrying out of this goal that God has given Christ to accomplish is also something that we can participate in. Even I have the assurance, Chris, this morning, we are carrying out as partners of Christ and joint heirs with him. We are here today carrying out the work that he has given to be done, and that is to uh, reach the goal of God's purpose, to have a glorious expression of himself. So everything we're doing now is to accomplish the building up of the body of Christ, which ultimately will be consummated in the new Jerusalem, which is the mingling of God and man for eternity. So we are really right now not only the partakers of Christ for our enjoyment, but we're the partners of Christ for carrying out his goal and his purpose. Francis, partakers of the divine nature and partners of Christ for the accomplishment of his eternal purpose. This is a marvelous, uplifted view, and it seems that life study after life study, we have layer after layer of old traditional thought being removed and replaced with this tremendous realization and even revelation of God in his trinity for his purpose. Wonderful fellowship today. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll come back very soon. Thank you for the opportunity. Call our toll-free number, and that is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or when you send us email, and our email address is radio at lsm.org. And while you're on the World Wide Web sending email, be sure and check out our Living Stream Ministry website. That's located at www.lsm.org. Org. And it's a marvelous website. I hope you'll visit it very soon. It's recently been updated. And we speak often on this program of various publications and resources that are available from Living Stream. At the website, you can actually preview a number of those, including, of course, the recovery version of the Bible, which we quote from often. And even in today's program, this point of partakers and partners being of the same Greek root word. There's a marvelous footnote in the recovery version. Portions of that recovery version and footnotes are available for you to preview and enjoy at the website and also information about how to order. So once again, the Living Stream website located at www.lsm.org, and I hope you'll visit it soon. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible 
to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.